This morning, we are going to be wrapping up our series on stewardship with a look at our time. Well, as we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, stewardship is simply recognizing that everything that we have, everything that we are, are gifts from God. And so we desire to be grateful and to be generous with those gifts. Two weeks ago, we looked at stewarding our treasures, our finances, our possessions. And Val Naganswa challenged us with an image that has stuck with me, the image of a funnel, and how we are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Last week, Josh led us in a look at stewarding our talents. He challenged us with some important takeaways. One, comparing our talents is toxic. At our own, God has gifted us with them, and he has a use for them. And the time to use is always now. So this morning, we'll consider together how we can express our love for God and our love for others through the faithful stewardship of our time. I have always considered myself to be good at managing my time. I love keeping a planner, mapping out my days and my weeks. I always have a task list that I'm usually pretty focused on getting completed. I like to arrive five to ten minutes early to things, the very worst on time. Um, my husband often complains if we're running too early, I'll make him pull over to the side of the road and just wait so that we're not too early to get to places. And so while I wasn't overly excited that uh, stewardship of time was what was left for me to share on, I figured I at least had enough experience to draw from, to have some helpful things to say. But as I began studying our passage for this morning and considering the lessons in it, Holy Spirit soon made it very clear to me that managing my time is not the same thing as stewarding my time. Managing our time is something that the world values. It teaches, it encourages. Time management is all about controlling the time that I own. But stewarding time involves the recognition that we are not meant to be able to control our time. It is a gift that we have been given that we are to surrender to God's direction and will. God owns our time. And this view of time is definitely not one that the world often encourages. It's not one that we're taught. But it is the view that we are called to as disciples of Jesus, learning to live and love like him. Let's pray together before we turn to the scriptures this morning. God, we welcome your presence here among us this morning. Would you just reveal yourself in new ways so that we might more clearly understand your love and your care for each one of us and how you are calling us to pour that love and care out on others. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we are going to be looking at Jesus' parable in Luke 19. It's not a very well-known parable, and it's called the Parable of the Minas. And we'll look together at what we can draw from this parable about stewarding our time. I'll be reading from the Amplified Version, which isn't one that we use very often here, but it is a unique translation that's designed to convey the full meaning of the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So it's a little lengthier sometimes. Some of the phrasing is a little awkward, but I found it to be super helpful as we look at understanding this text better. So you can follow along on the screen uh, if you'd like to. There's also Bibles under your seats. That is a slightly different version, but you're welcome to use those as well. So we'll begin at verse 11 in Luke 19. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they assumed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately as soon as he reached the city. So he said, a noble man went to a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas, one apiece, each equal to about 100 days wages. And he said to them, do business with this until I return. But his citizens, the residents of his new kingdom, hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be king over us. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these servants to whom he had given the money be called to him that he might find out what business they had done. The first one came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made 10 more minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you proved yourself faithful and trustworthy in a very little thing, you shall now have authority over 10 cities in my kingdom. The second one came and said, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you shall take charge over five cities. Then another came and said, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid up in a handkerchief for safekeeping. I was always afraid of you because you are a stern man. You pick up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to the servant, I will judge and condemn you by your own words, you worthless servant. Did you really know that I was a stern man, picking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not at the very least put my money in a bank? Then on my return, I would have collected it with interest. And then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he already has ten minas. Jesus explained, I tell you that to everyone who has, because he valued his gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, because he disregarded his gifts from God, 
even what he has will be taken away. Well, as, as Josh reminded us last week, when Jesus teaches in parables, there are always deeper meanings than what is obviously being discussed in the story. Last week, we looked at the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And you may have noticed that that parable is very similar to this Luke parable. In both, Jesus is teaching about what believers should be doing with their lives until his return, using the example of money. But there is a noticeable and profound difference for us to consider this morning that makes this Luke passage very applicable as we look at stewarding our time. In the parable of the talents, the servants are given differing amounts of money, just like we are each given different kinds and amounts of abilities and skills. But here in the Luke passage, each servant was given the same amount of money, one mina. So as we discern deeper meaning in the parable of the minas, consider what resource or gift we are each entrusted with equally. Time, right? It doesn't matter our age, doesn't matter how hard we work, how much education we have, or how spiritual we are. We all have the same amount of time. We all kill time, we save time, we rob and get robbed of time, we lose time, and we have all the time in the world. But not one of us is powerful enough to stop the march of time or slow it down. We can't increase our time. We can't go back in time. Time is definitely... For me, it's often easy to compare myself to others and to think, oh, if I only had as much time as she does, then I could get so much more done, or I could do that thing that I've been longing to do, or if I could just give up a certain responsibility that I have, then I could get to something I've always been wanting to. And while there is some truth to that thought as it relates to free time, the reality is I will always have the same amount of time available in my day the same amount of time that each one of you has. We can't control that time or add to it. The only thing that we can do is prioritize our time, how we spend or steward our 24 hours. So the servants in our parable this morning were given the same amount of money and the same directions from their master. In verse 13, he instructs them to do business with this. The New International Version says it this way, put this money to work. And the New Living Translation says, invest this. So however we word it, in the absence of their master, these servants are being told to devote their time, their efforts, and their energy to the use of the mina with the expectation of a worthwhile result. And so this begs the question, what is a worthwhile result in this parable? What is Jesus teaching his listeners here? 
Well, if we look at verse 17, the master has returned from his trip and he's checking in with his servants and the investments that they've made. The first servant comes and reports his increase and the master's response was, well done, good servant. He said, because you proved yourself faithful and trustworthy in a very little thing, you shall have authority over 10 cities. So why did the master say, well done to his Scripture says it's because he proved himself faithful and trustworthy. Pastor and author Rich Velotis shared a post on his socials recently that popped out to me as I was studying this passage. He says this, At the end of it all, Jesus will not say, well done, good and successful servant, or well done, good and influential servant, or even well done, good and high capacity servant. He says, well done, good and faithful, faithful servant. So success, our worthwhile result in stewarding time is being faithful to what God has called us to do. Until Jesus returns, we are each called to steward our time by faithfully doing business and investing. But God isn't black and white about what the business is, about what it will look like. Several times this week, as I was preparing for this message, Holy Spirit brought to mind 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Friends, the Spirit brings freedom as we seek to steward our time. God doesn't give us a formula. He doesn't give us a rigid job description, a step one, two, and three of what it looks like to be a steward of time. Rather, we're each called to steward our time differently, and we can't compare our use of time to others. We can't judge how others spend their time, and other people can't tell us what to do and how to steward our time well. Only Holy Spirit can show us what being faithful with our time looks like. And along with that, our faithfulness will likely look different in different seasons. Today, being faithful with my time might look like spending an hour talking with my contractor because he needs a listening ear instead of making the supper that I had planned for that day. Might look like taking a nap so that I have energy to do what I'm asked to do later that day. Maybe it looks my house so that my family and friends will feel comfortable and welcome. Or maybe it looks like spending the day in meetings with other leaders here at EPMC, discerning God's will for this community. And no matter what it is, it's not always obvious to me that God is working in how I'm spending my time. It can be frustrating in the moment. But often when I look back, that is when I can see God's movement, and I need to learn to trust a little bit more in the moment. 
Maybe being faithful with your time looks like chasing after young kids all day. Maybe it looks like running your business or growing someone else's business. Maybe it looks like running errands with a neighbor or just talking with them when you pass them on the street or in the hallway. Teens, maybe it looks like training extra hard to make the team or connecting with a friend who's had a hard day. Kids, maybe it looks like helping your parents with supper or playing quietly while they work at their computer. At any age, God loves you and he wants to be with you. So maybe stewarding your time looks like listening to worship music or delighting in his creation as you're walking or working outside. So if stewarding our time well can look so different, how do we know if we're stewarding our time well? I would like to suggest that that knowledge comes by looking at our fruit. God doesn't call us to productivity. He calls us to fruitfulness. Matthew 7.20 says, By their fruit you will recognize them. In talking about the vine and the branches in John 15, Jesus says that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 16 of the same chapter, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He says in verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Each of us will invest and do business with our time differently. But stewarding our time wisely and knowing how to be fruitful won't just happen by accident. You and I cannot know how to be fruitful unless we are remaining in God, intentionally spending time with God, seeking his will, and submitting our plans to him. Another key to fruitfulness that we need is to leave margin in our days for God to reveal his plans as we go about the plans that we've made. We need to make room for him, to leave room for him to work. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, Paul reminds us of this piece of stewarding our time. He says, Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil. Not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, and discerning people, making the, most of, of, making the very most of your time on earth, 
recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Friends, if we have packed our days so full of our own to miss the opportunities that God is placing in front of us, the ways that God is inviting us to steward our time for his glory, we are often too busy to notice God's movement. On the flip side, there are many times that my days might not look to others or even to myself sometimes like I'm accomplishing anything fruitful. They might look wasteful. But only God knows. And if I am listening and paying attention to him, then I am still being faithful and trustworthy with my time. Many of you know that a huge piece of our life right now is the renovation of part of our home. And I find that if I let God, he often uses these renovations to teach me so much. As I was reflecting this week on what faithfulness looks like and what fruitfulness looks like, I began thinking about how so many days of work on the house come to a close, and I look around and I think, what were these guys doing all day? I don't see any progress, nothing looks different, it feels like a wasted day, and I am so discouraged. But then Jonathan comes home, and he points out the importance of what was done that day. How important it was that the guys spend time measuring and laying out where things are going to go, figuring out what the best options are so that when they are putting structures in place, things are and strong and able to do and support what they need. The time spent on the unseen decisions and preparations is super important to the end result. And so it is with each one of us. Time that may seem wasteful can actually be an important piece of preparation for what God is calling us to if we are listening and paying attention to his lead. One final lesson to draw from this parable this morning as it relates to stewarding our time is found in verse 26. As he concludes the parable, Jesus explains, I tell you that to everyone who has, because he valued his gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, because he disregarded his gifts from God, even what he has will be taken away. That's a hard pill to swallow. Jesus is in essence saying, use it or lose it. And as we think about stewardship of time, I wonder what might it look like for God to take away this gift? I don't get less hours in my day tomorrow because I stewarded my time poorly today. So what does that verse mean? 
So in trying to understand this, I read in the Bridgeway Bible Commentary this explanation. It says, for the followers of Jesus, the lesson is that those who work diligently find that their ability increases. And so they are given more responsibility. Those who are lazy find that they lose whatever ability they have and cannot be trusted with any further responsibility. I am not an expert, nor do I profess understanding of this passage, even after sitting with it for weeks. But the one impression that Holy Spirit did leave me with in relation to time was this. When we steward our time well, when we seek his plans and his timing, and when we leave margin and pay attention to what he brings to us in a day, when we take time for Sabbathing, it's amazing what we can accomplish when we are actually working. We get When I ask God what to do, God is faithful to give the energy and wisdom to. But when I don't seek his guidance, it can be painful and very draining to complete tasks. The more that we live and move and have our being in Christ, the more fruitful our lives can become. The more we invest our time in things which God has prepared for us to do, the more our fruitfulness will increase and enlarge, and the more they will overflow in abundance. But if we invest our time unwisely, we will live a life that is much less fruitful. We will stifle the Holy Spirit's movement and volume in our lives. We will suffer loss. So, this morning, as we wrap up our time together, I don't have a formula to But what I do want to offer you is an invitation. Take some time to reflect further with God, maybe a trusted family member or friend, on how God might be calling you to apply the truths from this morning to your everyday life. Consider how God is asking you to intentionally invest your time. What would fruitfulness look like in this? How might stewarding your time in this way draw you closer to God and to others? Consider also that our talents, our money, and our time are all linked together. How might you use all three? However you interact with your schedule for the day or for the week, I just invite you to pause and acknowledge God's presence with you. Invite his input, his direction, and his interruption into what you have planned for the day. And then also consider what might it look like for us as a whole faith family to live this out together? How can we encourage one another 
and offer accountability to each other in the stewardship of our time. Some of the ways that we as a leadership team and as ministry team leaders are seeking to steward our time involves holding loosely our routines and traditions, regularly seeking out and listening to ways that Holy Spirit might be inviting us to spend our time together differently. Individually, for the benefit of the community, we can seek to honor one another's time, and we can trust and respect Holy Spirit's guidance in each other's stewardship of time, and we can be regularly asking Holy Spirit how we might use our time for the benefit of the community. So as you head to a meeting or to a gathering here, or as you interact with friends from here, ask Holy Spirit to direct your conversations, your plans, maybe to lead you to connect with someone he would like you to connect with. Next Sunday is our Commitment Sunday together. We'll be reflecting on what it looks like to commit to each other and to this community, and you'll have an opportunity to consider ways you can use your finances, your giftings, and your time for the benefit of this community. And so I encourage you to pause and listen for ways that Holy Spirit might be prompting you that might be different from what you're used to. So worship team, I just invite you to come forward, and I invite all of you to bow your heads and pray with me as we close. Lord, you have given us such a valuable gift in our time. As Moses asks in Psalm 90, Lord, would you teach us to number our days, to value our time, so that we might get a heart of wisdom, so that we might be fruitful and bring glory to you through the use of our time. In Jesus' name, amen.